You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and today on the show... I am previewing all things G-Day, which, of course, as you all know, will take place Saturday at 1 p.m. inside Sanford Stadium here in the Classic City. The weather's going to be perfect. I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of you are looking forward to it. So that is going to be the focus of today's show. And this is the seventh time that we've done a G-Day preview here on the Glory UGA podcast. And I feel like, I mean, you have to go back and check the tape, and I'm not going to do that. But I feel like each time... We've done one of these previews for G-Day. We've gone about it in like an entirely different way. And this year, that trend will continue. And that's because I never really know. Like I never really know how to approach these G-Day previews because in reality, they're just scrimmages. It's just a single practice. Like when you get down to it, it just so happens to be the one practice each year that everyone in the fan base gets to see so we understandably so put a premium on it and we hype it up we get excited about it like i am right now but in reality it is it's just one small snapshot of what went on the 15 times the team got out there and practiced during spring drills that's really all it is it's absolutely not a game there's no game planning for an opponent there's there's no breakdown for us to do there's no keys to the game for me to identify there's no matchups to watch nothing like that so i never really know i never know how to go about this but but it is a big deal it's a big deal in the fan base because it's the small little sliver of football that we get between january and september at least the small bit of football that we get to watch so I know you guys want to hear us talk about it, and that's exactly what I'm going to do here today. But after going back and forth on how exactly to do that, how to go about it, I think I've finally settled on a format for, for this episode this year. And look, we've spent the past month talking about various players, the inside word on who's standing out, who's making the move, all that fun stuff, right? We've done that each of the past four weeks. So with that in mind, today, I'm going to go about this by giving you the 10 players that I personally will be watching closest on Saturday inside Sanford Stadium. This is my list. Of course, given it's my list, I am inevitably going to leave someone off my list that you are excited to see. So just know that. Just know that going into this. 
I know you guys have certain players that you are excited to watch, that you're going to be watching closely, and that's awesome. I hope you get a chance to watch each of them as closely as you possibly can. I'm sure a lot of you are going to be like me. You're going to record this. You're going to go back and watch it with a fine-tooth comb over and over and over again because, again, it is the only little bit of Georgia football, the small taste we get between January and September. So we're going to go back and watch. There'll be plenty of time to watch a bunch of players, but I've got 10 guys that I personally, this guy, am most excited to see in action on Saturday between the hedges. So let's jump right in, man. Let's jump right in and let's start with number 10. We're going to work our way up the list, but coming in at number 10 for me is outside linebacker MJ Sherman. I'm really excited to see what MJ can do this year, guys. I think he's going to have an opportunity to really earn some playing time. We all know he's a former five-star prospect. He didn't end the cycle that way. He ended up as a very high four-star, but he spent most of his time as a prep recruit, as a five-star guy. He got hurt late in his career, so he dropped down to a high four-star, but he's that kind of talent. The thing is, as you all know, he hasn't really made any sort of impact to this point in Athens. He just hasn't. And it's an interesting case because you usually see guys like this. You know, MJ Sherman, again, a former five-star at one time for a while in high school, ends up as a high four-star. Guys that have hype coming out of high school. If those kind of guys these days, like a Marius Mims, don't have that instant gratification, they don't have that instant success that they crave, that they expect to have, like everyone's telling them they're going to have their entire career. Nowadays, the transfer portal, you typically see guys like that transfer out. You typically do. They get stuck behind some more talented guys, some veterans. You typically see them transfer out, again, a la Amarius Mims most recently for us. But MJ Sherman has not done that. He hasn't done that yet to this point. And I want to give him props for that. You know, we I don't think we really like hammered Mims for that earlier in the week. But, you know, it is... I think reflective of just where our society is right now that like we just want to take the path of least resistance and that's fine like if that's the route he wants to go that's great but I do again think there's something to be said for people who are willing to roll their sleeves up and fight through adversity I have respect for that and that is exactly what MJ Sherman has done through his first two years here in the Classic City he has not had that instant success he's had to sit behind some really talented players but he's bided his time. He's gone to work. Hopefully he's gotten better. I'm sure he has. And that's what I'm excited to see because I'm rooting for this guy for all the reasons I just laid out. I have a lot of respect for how he's handled his first couple years here in Athens. He hasn't been a problem. He hasn't pouted, at least publicly as far as we know. He hasn't transferred out. He's just worked and tried to get better and put himself in a better position, hopefully this year, to find some more playing time. And we're going to need him this year. That's another reason why I'm excited to watch MJ Sherman. It's not just the story. It's the fact that we need him. Because outside linebacker, which, you know, it was just a couple years ago, guys. Think about this. That was once upon a time, not all that long ago, the deepest position on the team. But that has now become arguably one of the thinnest positions on the team. And we had to take a guy, Marlon Dean, who was recruited initially out of high school from IMG as a defensive lineman. And we've had to move him to outside linebacker. Now, he's thinned up a little bit, and he does have some athleticism, so I'm okay with him moving to outside linebacker. I'm not saying it's a problem, but we had such depth issues there that we didn't take a guy that was even to tackle and move him to outside linebacker. So we have some depth issues at that position. I like the talent that we have there. Obviously, with Nolan Smith and Robert Beal, I think MJ Sherman's going to be a really talented player. He's a really talented player. I think he's going to be a good player. Chas Chandless is going to be a really solid player for us. I think we have talent we just don't have much depth there. Certainly not much experience depth there. So he's going to have opportunities and we need him. 
And I still believe in MJ. I do. And I know that's that's hard to say because we haven't seen him play a ton in, in Athens. But I loved his talent coming out of high school. I thought he was an explosive pass rusher, a guy that had big-time potential. He did get injured late in his high school career. I think he missed most of his junior year, if not all of his junior year, and missed some camps, things like that. So his rating dropped a little bit. But he's a talented guy. He 100% is. The problem for him is that he has been behind some really talented players, guys like Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith, Aziz Ojolari, Jermaine Johnson at one point, right? So he's been behind some really talented players, and it's just been hard for him to crack the rotation. But he now has a wide open opportunity ahead of himself to really work himself into some very serious playing time. That's going to be good for him. I'm sure that, I know that's what he wants, and that's also what I want. That's what we need as a team. So I will certainly have my eyes on MJ Sherman out there on Saturday, and I would love to see him make some plays. And look, I know when you're watching G Day, guys, like you know how this works. If one side makes a play, that means the other side didn't do something right. But really what I'm looking at more than anything is I'm just watching how these guys move, how explosive they look, how quick they look. Those kind of things are what I'm watching. And also from a technique standpoint, all that kind of stuff is what I'm looking for more than like who, you know, had four sacks, who had a hundred plus yards receiving. That, that can be deceiving at times if you're looking just at stats and those measurables. Just watch them closely and watch how they move, watch how they operate, watch how they use their technique. Those are things that I really kind of zero in on, and that's what I'm going to be watching very closely from MJ Sherman, because to me, whether he gets no sacks or three sacks or whatever, that's, I mean, that's great and all, but I'm really more interested in what he looks like, and I think that would be more indicative of the position he has put himself in to really work himself into the rotation, potentially heading into 2022. So MJ Sherman coming in at number 10 on my list. Let's stay on the defensive side of the ball here for number nine. And I'm going to go with sophomore David Daniel at safety. I know we had a really small sample size of, of his potential last year. He didn't get to play a ton. But the small amount that we did see of David Daniel, I loved. I absolutely loved what I saw from this guy. I think he's another safety, kind of in the vein of a Lewis scene at Richard LeCount. A little thin, not the biggest guy out there, but he plays bigger than he actually is. I mean, if you watched Lewis Cena and Richard LeCount play, which I know all of you did, you would have thought those guys were like 240 pounds the way they just threw their bodies around. It's like they thought they were like 240 pound linebackers, but they're not. I mean, Richard LeCount was, you know, 185. Cena was about, about 195, 200. David Daniels was 6'2", about 185 pounds. And I think he kind of fits that, that bill where he's not that big, you know, pretty thin guy, pretty slight of stature but will absolutely strike you. He will bring the wood, and he plays bigger than he actually is. So I love that about him. I think he can follow certainly in those guys' footsteps. And like a lot of guys on my list, here's why I'm excited to watch David Daniel. It's kind of the combination of the unknown, because again, we haven't seen him play all that much, the, the, the hype coming out of high school, the prep hype, and the opportunity that he has ahead of him for serious playing time is all three of those things combined that really has me intrigued and excited to watch David Daniel play on Saturday. And we know, I mean, I fully expect that Chris Smith and Dan Jackson will roll out there as the top two safeties with the number one defense. I fully expect that to happen. And I do think that Chris Smith more or less has one of those safety spots locked up. Dan Jackson, again, I do expect him to go out there with the ones on Saturday, but I don't know if he has that position locked up. He's the leader in the clubhouse based off his experience and how well he played at times for us last year. He started about five or six games. I think it was six games he started for us last year. So he has that experience. But 
David Daniel has been getting opportunities to work with the ones. He's been rotating with the ones. The opportunity is clearly there. The question is, is David Daniel ready to seize it? Is he ready to take control of that opportunity and really make a push to unsee, I think it would be Dan Jackson as the starter at safety to open the 2022 season. I don't know. We'll see. That's what G-Day is for, is to get a chance to get a look at these guys and see where they are and how ready they are to contribute. And I'm going to be watching David Daniel very closely for all those reasons. All right, moving on to number eight. What the heck? Let's stay with defense for another player here. Actually, the next couple guys are defense. And eventually we'll get, I promise, I promise we're going to get to some offensive guys. Got those guys at the top of the list. But I got some defensive guys here first. Number eight is linebacker Xavian Sori. This is a linebacker, a player, a prospect that I was really high on coming out of high school a couple years ago. Let's not forget, this dude was a five-star prospect out of the state of Florida. I loved his tape. The issue for Sori for me and why I haven't talked as much about him since he got on campus is I wasn't sure where ultimately he was going to play. A little bit of a tweener. I think he has the potential to play outside linebacker. He played on the edge of him in high school, but he also has the size, capabilities, the athleticism to play inside. And I wasn't sure where he was going to land. Honestly, I thought it would be outside with the depth issues that we had outside linebacker. I figured that would be the, the landing spot for him. But with his body, he hasn't grown into it that much. He's still about 215 pounds. So inside linebacker makes more sense for him in his development right now. Now, last year, we didn't see a lot of him, but I mean, obviously, he was buried behind three future NFL draft picks. Three guys, they're going to be in the NFL here in about a month or so. Two of them might even be drafted in the first round. I would say at least one of them gets drafted in the first round. Maybe even two of them get drafted in the first round. I think you got a potential for Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker to get drafted in the first round. We'll see how that goes, but I don't think that's outlandish to say that. So we didn't see much of him last year. He only had 26 snaps total. Not a lot, guys. So even in garbage time, did not get a lot of looks because he was behind guys like Smile Mondin and Jamon Dumas Johnson. But when we did see him, the very limited amount of time that we did get to see Xavier Sori last year, I thought he flashed. I thought he stood out to me. And this year, the opportunity is abundant, especially right now. Now, I don't know if he'll go out there with the ones on, on G-Day, but I know in the scrimmage, I was told during the second scrimmage, he was out there beside Pop Dumas Johnson as the number one inside linebacker. He was out there with the starting unit. We'll see. I, I, I honestly, I, if I had to handicap it right now, I'd say probably if that's what it was last week, what happened between now and then for that to change, you'll probably be out there with the ones. Now, but, but a big part of that is there are a lot of injuries that we're dealing with inside linebacker right now with Smile Mondin not participating this spring. Ryan Davis is not fully cleared. Chesley Marshall's been doing some stuff, but he's not fully cleared. CJ Washington, the early enrollee is out for spring, maybe out for fall camp. We'll, hopefully it's not too crazy serious, but the early indications are not great. Um, and then you got Jalen Walker, who I think is a super talented early enrollee, true freshman. I'm very, very excited about his launcher potential, but he's a true freshman. So the, the opportunity for Xavier Sori is clearly there. And it appears from everything that you're hearing coming out of fall camp, everything that I'm being told is that he's starting to take advantage of that. And he's come on really strong here the past couple of weeks. Now, that's what I've been told. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I have to rely on what I've been told to this point. But I'm excited to see with my own two eyes, to see is what I'm being told, does it match what I'm actually seeing out there on my own? I have a feeling it's going to. Because again, didn't play much last year, but I, I liked what I saw from him. I thought he looked athletic. I thought he looked explosive, which is what you saw on tape from coming out of high school. 
So this is a guy certainly who I think has the potential to end up as a starter at inside linebacker when we open the season in Atlanta against Oregon in early September. And if that's going to be the case, I want to see this guy play. You guys know, I've told you before, I'm an old school linebacker coach, old school linebacker player myself, coach linebackers. And uh, I love that position. So I'm very, very excited to see what this guy has to offer and see how he looks on Saturday. All right, moving up the list. Let's go to number seven. And let's go, is this the first true freshman? Yeah, this is the first true freshman on the list. And the early enrollees are always very intriguing because you're so excited to see the talent, like what they actually have to offer in the red and black, but you know their head's going to be spinning. They're so raw. and You just don't really know. Occasionally, you'll get a guy like Brock Bowers and A.D. Mitchell, but those guys are certainly exception. But one guy in this class, there's several I'm excited about, but of all the early enrollees, the guy that I'm probably most excited to watch on Saturday, not probably, I am, is defensive lineman Michael Williams. I've told you guys before, I'll say it again. This is the guy I am hitching my wagon to in this 2022 class. In 2021, last year, that guy for me was Brock Bowers. I told y'all coming into the season, I told y'all before spring practice that I thought this guy was going to be the best player in this class. And I thought he'd be the guy to make, at least, at the very least, make the earliest major impact in that class. And, you know, every now and then when you just spew a bunch of stuff on a podcast like I do, you get a few things right here or there. Get plenty wrong, but occasionally you get one right. And that was one that I hit on. And that guy for me this year, I might be wrong. This might be the year I miss it. Who knows? We'll see. Certainly that possibility. But the guy I'm hitching my wagon to, a la Brock Bowers last year, is Michael Williams. I am firmly convinced this guy is a future star. Like I'm talking all-American caliber player. I am firmly convinced that a future first-round draft pick, maybe even top 10 future draft pick, I am about as convinced as you can be about an early enrollee if you've not seen actually play at the college level. I think he's the total package, man. I mean, he's got power, strength, explosiveness, quickness. He's actually a pretty advanced pass rusher for a guy coming out of high school that usually, like those guys that are so much bigger and stronger in high school, a lot of times they just rely on their natural abilities and don't have to like be that sound from a technical standpoint. And I'm not saying he's a finished product, not by any stretch of the imagination, but as far as those guys go, usually coming out of high school, I think he's relatively advanced from a, a technique standpoint, from a technical standpoint. So I love, man, I love Michael Williams, dude. I love him. I love this guy. And I hate to say this. I hate to put this on anyone. I, I don't want to say that like anyone's the next Trayvon Walker. Like I, I don't want to put that on him, but like maybe he might just be. I, I don't think he has the top end speed that Trayvon Walker has. I don't think he's going to go out and run a, a 4-5-1, a borderline 4-4-40 yard dash. I don't think he's got that kind of like long speed. But in terms of, of operating in a phone booth, the explosiveness, the short area quickness, I mean, it ain't that far off, guys. It's not that far off. And again, just like with some of these other players, the thing for Michael Williams is the opportunity is there. There is so much opportunity at that position. I think he projects more as a five-tech defensive end, a la Trayvon Walker. He could also play outside linebacker. I think he certainly has that potential. I mean, if a guy like Marlon Dean can play outside linebacker, you better believe Michael Williams could play outside linebacker in certain packages. Now, do I feel super comfortable with him out in space? No, not, not at this point. That's not really what he did in high school. I haven't seen him do all that much. 
and maybe eventually, maybe at some point, I mean, Trayvon Walker wasn't really doing that early in his career. And then last year, we saw how he was able to operate in space and cover guys down the field. I mean, covering wheel routes down the field, down the sideline, and all sorts of crazy things. Maybe he can do that down the road, but he's not ready to do that right now. But I mean, he could, he could be a pass rusher off the edge for sure. He has that kind of athleticism. But I think the better position for him right now is the five tech, which is again, where Trayvon Walker played last year. And with Walker out of the picture, there is so much opportunity at that position. Tramel Walthour is the guy who got the playing time behind Walker last year, but he's out. I mean, he, he started the spring, but he got injured. He's out for the rest of spring. And we just don't have a ton of bodies, man. We do not have a lot of bodies at that position. And Michael Williams is one of them. So I think he's going to have a ton of opportunities. I think he's going to play a lot on Saturday. And I'm really excited to just, again, see the, the athleticism out there, but just see where he is right now from a technical standpoint. Is he ready to make a move come fall camp to really earn some serious playing time? I think the answer is going to be yes, but I think, I don't know. After Saturday, we might not fully know, but we'll have a much better idea. So I will certainly be watching Michael Williams very, very close because I think the ceiling is just off the charts for this guy. All right, guys, let's go one more defensive player here at number six, and then we'll get to some offensive guys. Coming at number six on my list of players that I am most excited to watch on G-Day is cornerback, second-year cornerback, Kamari Lassiter. Now, this guy actually played more than you might think last year. He played 158 snaps, which isn't like a ton, but that's a little bit more than 15% of our overall defensive snaps. And when you factor in that we had Keely Ringo and we had Darion Kendrick at one corner, they played, I mean, once we settled in with, with Ringo as the starter opposite Kendrick, they played almost every snap, meaningful snap. But Lassiter got some opportunity. He didn't play much early, but he really grew and came on late in the season. Remember, it was Javon Bullard who was getting a lot of those reps early in the year, but Lassiter came on strong and started to take more of those reps away from Bullard. Lassiter was not an early enrollee, so he was not here last spring. He had to come in in fall camp and was, you know, raw. He didn't have the opportunity to work during the spring and kind of polish on those skills. And so he was a little bit behind. That's why I think he didn't play as much early in the year. But once our coaches got him on campus and worked with him and saw what he was capable of, he got more and more playing time as the year wore on. And you guys know, we've got Keely Ringo at one corner, but it is wide open at the field cornerback position opposite Keely Ringo. Now, it's not like just Lasseter. There are other guys in the mix. I'm excited to watch all these guys. Nyland Green, I'd love to see what Nyland Green's got to offer here. The guys from the 2022 recruiting class. Dalen Everett's the only one here right now. I've heard some really good things about him over the past couple weeks. He's really starting to, to come on. The light's starting to come on for him at cornerback, making some plays. And they've got some other big-time players from the 2022 class. Julian Humphrey, Jaheim Singletary. Once they get here on campus, they're going to factor in. They're not going to go down without, us, without taking their swing in, in this competition. So there's a lot of guys to be excited about. There's a lot of guys to watch. But for me, above all those guys, I think Kamari Lasser is the one to watch. I know he's been working with the ones out there primarily. And uh, with that in mind, I'm very excited to get a look at where he is right now. Because right now, we, we don't know who the answer is. And we need an answer. You know, Keely Ringo is great. Love Keely. But we need an answer opposite Keely. Because you know, if Keely takes a step that we all expect him to this year, and I've heard that he's already in the process of doing during spring drills, that other cornerback is going to get a lot of targets, man. You know that. Just like Keely got a lot of targets early last year because they were thrown away from Darion Kendrick, same thing's going to happen this year with whoever plays opposite Keely. So Kamari Laster, looks like he's going to be the first guy up right now, and I'm very excited to see where he is in his development. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, let's move into the top five, and now let's finally get to our first offensive player on the list. Four of the top five are actually going to be on the offensive side of the ball, but the first offensive player is an offensive lineman, Devin Willick. You guys know Curtis and I made it very clear, we need an answer at offensive guard. Xavier Truss has apparently looked pretty good at left guard, but we need an answer at right guard. We didn't really have that answer last year. Well, we did. We just refused to use the lineup that would give us the answer at right guard, moving Salyer inside and Broderick Jones left tackle. We refused to use that consistently until, well, national championship game where it worked out really well, especially in the fourth quarter. But that's neither here nor there. That's in the past. We won the national title. No hard feelings. No hard feelings there at all. It's all good. We accomplished the ultimate goal. But we need an answer. If we want to do that again, if we want to repeat, if we want to defend this national title, we got to find an answer there, man. And I, I've made it very clear. I don't think Warren Erickson is that answer. Erickson is not going to play regardless. He is injured right now. And uh, I, God, I've been going back and watching tape already. I'm, I, now the basketball season's over. I'm full on head first diving into tape from last year all over again. And I'm watching, I was, I've been watching the Kentucky game from last year and I'm almost done with the first quarter. And Jesus Christ, I mean... I've had to stop and just shake my head and just take a deep breath multiple times because of how poorly Warren Erickson played in that game. I actually forgot in the first quarter that we pulled him. We pulled him for a series or two and put in Xavier Trust, and then he didn't play that well. We put Erickson back in there. But he's just not the answer, man. He's not. And like I, I don't like ripping our players. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to be objective and give you what, what I'm actually seeing out there. And he's just not, man. He's not the answer. So we need the answer. Now, what I'm going to see is Devin Willick, that guy. I heard a lot of good things about Devin Willick throughout the season last year. This guy was making progress, and the coaches were really high on him, but we didn't get to see much of him, right? I mean, he had 93 snaps last year, but of course, none of those were in any kind of meaningful situation. So I want to see what Devin Willick's got to offer. Is he really that guy? Is he ready to replace a, a former starter, a guy that was a starter on a national championship team? Is he ready to do that? I don't know the answer right now. I'm hopeful, but I need to see that. So I will be watching him very, very closely. I'll be watching all the right guards, honestly. I'll be watching them all very close. But since Willick has been working with the ones, it was already repping some of the ones, even when Erickson was healthy and not hurt, uh, he's got to be at the top of the list of those, of those right guard prospects that I'm watching closely on Saturday. So Devin Willick, 
coming in at number five. All right, moving on up. Number four, last defensive player on the list. We've already talked about one inside linebacker. Let's talk about another one. Now, this is the guy I'm telling you right now. Go ahead and just pencil him in as a starter inside linebacker. I think he's the safest bet. We've got a bunch of guys that are contending for a spot there. I think Pop or Jamon Dumas Johnson is certainly a leader in the clubhouse when it comes to locking down one of those inside linebacker spots. I thought he was really underrated coming out of high school. I thought of the guys we signed in his class, which was him, Xavier Sori, and Smile Mondin, I thought he was the truest inside linebacker in that class. What I mean by that is he actually played the position and played it consistently. That's what he did. Like Smile Mondin, yeah, he played a little bit of linebacker. He played freaking running back. I mean, that's really what he did. He was just an athlete, catching balls, running running around, doing crazy things on offense. Xavier Sori played a little bit inside, played on the edge some. But Dumas Johnson was like the true inside linebacker. So there's always, I always kind of had this sneaking suspicion that like, you know, he might make an impact a little bit earlier those other guys, he might not have the physical ceiling of Smile Mondin and Xavier Sori. I don't think he's that far off, but I think it's fair to say he might not have that kind of, of athletic ceiling, but I thought he'd be the most polished guy coming in, which typically lends itself to that player seeing earlier playing time. Now, he'd be the highest NFL draft pick of, of that group. I mean, that remains to be seen. I have my doubts, but I think he's going to be a starter for us this year. I think he's going to be the leader, one of the leaders on this defense. And he, he played a little bit over 100 snaps last year, and he flashed from the very first time I saw him. He's a bigger guy, a little bit bigger and thicker than Smile Monday and Xavier Sori. He's 235, 6'1", 235, but he moves really well at that size. He's got the size clearly, but he moves well. He's athletic. And I've, I've heard so many positive things about him. Even going back to last season, you're hearing really good things coming out of practice about him and how he was developing. In this spring, I just heard people raving about it. That's what I've been told. This guy, like he's, he's the guy. That's why I'm telling you guys that just expect him to be a starter because that's what I'm being told. So I just kind of pass those things along here and there when I can. But I haven't seen him with my own eyes. You know, I haven't seen him. We need a guy there. Like we're, We know what we're losing inside linebacker. You guys know what we're losing there. So we need a guy. We need a dude, a monster there at inside linebacker. And I think it seems like Pop is the one that's closest to being ready to be that guy. What I want to see is, is he ready? Is he actually ready to be that guy and take on that role? So certainly excited to see what he has to offer on Saturday. Now let's move inside the top three. Coming in number three for me is a guy that I got a soft spot for, man. I am rooting hard for him for just what he's had to go through, the adversity, what he's had to fight through. I'm sure you guys kind of get where I'm going with this. And that's wide receiver Dominic Blaylock. Dom, going into his fourth year, hard to believe, man. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, back in 2019, when he was making plays as a true freshman. Touchdown against Auburn, long touchdown pass against Auburn. Doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it, it kind of was, man. And it's been a minute since we've actually seen him make an impact on the field. You know, back in 2019, it's a true freshman. 18 catches, 310 yards, five touchdowns. No, he wasn't George Pickens, but he was pretty impactful in his own right. Did some good things for us. But then you know the story. Back-to-back knee injuries, back-to-back ACL tears, and he misses essentially two full seasons. And you just don't know. You know, He actually was cleared about midway through last year, but in the process of working back, he injured his hamstring, and that kind of lingered for a while, and that's why he didn't really make his, his 
debut until much later in the season than when he was actually cleared for full contact with the ACL. He was dealing with a hamstring injury. So I don't know if we've actually seen a fully healthy Dominic Blaylock since 2019. I don't think that we have since prior to the SEC championship game in 2019 against LSU. So you better believe, man, I am so excited to see Don Blake. I'm excited for him because what I'm being told is that like he's starting to get back. He looks like the old Dominic Blaylock. He's made play after play in both scrimmages. He's had a really good spring, but it's just like some of these other guys. I want to see it. I got to see it with my own two eyes. I want to see what version of Dom Blaylock are we working with going into 2022. Is it the same version that we had prior to the injury? Is it a slightly lesser version? Does he have the same burst back? The same because what makes Dom Dom is the short area quickness. He was never a burner. Like even pre injury, he was never like the fastest guy out there, but he was so quick and shifty in a short area, which is why I think he's like a prototypical slot receiver. I want to see if he's back to that. Or is he better? Sometimes these guys come off ACL injuries and like, it's like they got a bionic knee now and they're just like better than ever. Is that going to be the case with Don Blaylock? We don't know the answer to those questions, but I'm excited to find out. I mean, we've heard so much. I've heard like every time I ask anyone that's privy to the information coming out of the scrimmages or anyone that was there at the scrimmages, I mean, Don Blaylock is like universally a guy that's mentioned every single time. Don Blaylock comes up every single time, making plays, looking good, getting back in, into shape as the old Don Blaylock. But I want to see, man, I want to see my own two eyes. Is he indeed back to being what he was prior to those back-to-back ACL tears? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys, let's move in to the top two here. We're almost done. Technically, technically, this is really a list of the 11 players I'm most excited to watch at G-Day because coming in number two, I got a two-for-one special for you guys. I'm just going to say a blanket statement here, the battle for the number two quarterback job. You could even say, it's if you want to throw in Gunner stock, then maybe it's a list of the 12 players I'm most excited to watch. I don't think Gunner's as, in, as involved in the number two quarterback battle as Vandegrift and Beck are, from what I'm hearing, but maybe you could throw them in there as well. What the heck? That's fine. Whatever. But look, Stetson Bennett's going to be our starting quarterback, guys. I you know we did a show a couple weeks ago. We were talking about how Beck and Vandegrift were getting all these reps with the ones and, and wondering, what does it mean? Like, does it mean anything? Does it mean everything? What in the world does it mean? And then it turns out you get the scrimmage and like, oh, it didn't really mean that much. We're just trying to get those guys ready just in case something happens to Stetson. Like, you can call it a competition if you want it, and that's fine. Maybe it is. But Stetson has been getting, you know, 85, 90 plus percent of the snaps with the one offense during the scrimmages. And barring something crazy unforeseen, he's going to be our starting quarterback entering the 2022 season. Now, if he falters, you know, I, I don't. I certainly don't want that to happen because that means we're probably losing the game. Don't want that to happen at all. I'm rooting for Stetson. But I, I do think if he happens to falter someone on the way that one of these guys can put themselves into position to maybe jump in there and get some snaps and get a look. But right now, it's going to be Stetson Bennett. And right now, those other guys are just 
as far as I'm concerned, fighting for the number two quarterback job and to kind of have a leg up going into the battle in 2023. And again, I'm really looking closely here at Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift. Both guys have had really good springs. They've both developed. They've both looked good in the opportunities they've gotten to work with the number one offense. What I've, and look, when you talk to different people I talk to, different things you hear, they see things their own way and they'll tell you different things. I've heard from some people that, that Beck looks like the clear number two. I've heard from some people that, that Vandergriff might be that guy that he, you know, when he, when he flashes, he really flashes and he can do some things that, that Beck cannot, especially with his legs. So it just depends on who you talk to. But both guys, I can tell you, have had good springs. They've both impressed the, court, the coaches. They are both making moves. They're, they're developing. They're making progress. And it looks like it's going to be one hell of a competition going into 2023. That's certainly what it looks like. But I don't know who's going to come out on top with this job. I think if I had to put money on it, I'd probably put my money on Beck. Because, you know, let's not forget, you know, this time last year, we were hearing a lot about Carson Beck as well. Now, Vandegrift was brand new. He was an early enrollee this time last year. But, you know, Van, uh, but Beck was making his move this time last year. I mean, don't, let's not forget, famously, Kirby even said it himself, he was the number two quarterback coming out of fall camp. And then they just went with Stetson because that's who they were more comfortable with because he had the experience. But he played really well last spring, and he's doing it again this year. In fact, I've been told, like, as you'd imagine, he's – looking better, better than he ever has in the Georgia uniform, and that's to be expected. But I'm excited to watch this battle play out. I'm excited to get a chance to lay my own two eyes on both Vandegrift and Beck and see where these guys are, see what they have to offer us. Is Beck doing a better job reading defenses? Where's his accuracy? Vandegrift, we know what he can do with his legs, but you know, accuracy, those kind of things, reading defense, all things that quarterbacks have to do, as an early enrollee last year, that was clearly a work in progress for him. We didn't really see him do anything during this season. We saw a little bit in at G Day, but certainly not much. He didn't get many snaps last year. So this will be the most extensive amount of playing time that we're going to see from Brock Vandegrift at this point in his career. It's still a young career, but I'm excited to see where he is, how much he's progressed. Same thing with Beck. You can throw Stockton there too. Like where is Stockton right now as an early enrollee? It might not matter as much in the battle for the number two spot in 2022 for Stockton, but going into the battle in 2023, it'll certainly matter. So I'm excited to watch this battle play out and see what these guys have to offer on Saturday between the hedges. And finally, coming in at number one, the player that I am most excited to see play at G-Day on Saturday is tight end Arik Gilbert. I am right now borderline giddy with anticipation for a chance to actually see Gilbert out there on the field in a Georgia uniform. Let's not forget, we haven't seen that. We have not seen Arik Gilbert do anything, scrimmage or not, with University of Georgia, with the red black on. We've seen like maybe photos of him during fall camp last year, but we haven't seen this guy do anything for us. So I am extraordinarily excited about this. I mean, I already think, I told you guys, we did this episode a couple weeks ago talking about the potential for the 2022 Georgia offense to be one of the best in the history of our program. So I have already made it clear that I think the potential for our offense next year is sky high, even without Gilbert being a factor. But the potential for this offense, I believe, becomes endless if Gilbert is ready to be the guy that we all thought he would be when we landed him last June. And the buzz surrounding this guy has been considerable from the jump. Like, it's not like a you know thing. It's like, oh, you know, it took him, it took him a couple of weeks to get his feet under him, and, and now he's, he's starting to make plays. No, that, that wasn't the case. 
like from the jumps, like, oh, Gilbert looks really, really good, man. And the buzz, the word I've gotten come out of out of practice, out of camp, has only picked up with each passing week. So if he is indeed that guy, if he is ready to do those kind of things for us next year, think about this, guys. If we can roll with Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, if he can get healthy and stay healthy, hopefully, knock on wood, and then Eric Gilbert out there, that three-headed monster, and what the heck, throw in Oscar Delp, man, throw in Delp there too. If we can roll with that three-headed monster, uh-oh, everyone else in the SEC and the rest of the country, they better find religion and find it real fast because we are about to crush some souls in 2022 with this offense if Gilbert is ready to be that guy. Now, you guys know towards the end of last year, I was begging, begging for us to operate more out of 13 personnel. And that was with John Fitzpatrick, who was a really good player in his own right. But come on, man. come on, come on. We know Fitzpatrick is not a Reed Gilbert. He's not that kind of player. He can't do those kind of things. So even with Fitzpatrick as the third tight end, I was begging for more 13 personnel as the season progressed. Now, this year with Gilbert, I think it might need to become our base offensive personnel grouping. And I'm being dead serious about that, guys. Why would it not? The goal is to get your, the goal is to score. How do you score? You get your best players on the field. Well, our tight end group, Bowers, Gilbert, Darnell Washington, those are three of the best players on our team, three of the biggest playmakers that we have on our team. And we talked about, you know, who are going to be the wide receivers. We know AD Mitchell. We've got some really good options at receiver. I'm actually excited about the receivers, but are they better than those tight ends? Are they really? And on top of that, really what makes the 13 personnel with guys like that so dangerous is the mismatches you create. We've talked about this many times. If you have three tight ends out there in the field, the defenses can't come out in a nickel package. They can't play in a nickel package because you can run the ball right down their throat. But if they come out there with heavy personnel, their base defensive personnel to stop the run, well, then you can spread out. You can put Gilbert out wide, Bowers out wide. Whether they're playing inline, out wide, it doesn't matter. But you can throw the ball to them and you have mismatches all over the field. Guys that have wide receiver skills going against 250-pound guys. You can't win that. You cannot win that defensively. You simply cannot. I mean, I am so excited about the possibilities because they are endless. They are endless if Gilbert is truly ready to be that guy. To me, Arik Gilbert could be the key from taking our offensive potential from elite because I think we're going to be an elite offense. I think we were elite last year. Nobody wants to say that, but I mean, I'll say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We were elite last year from, from a production standpoint, but I think Gilbert could be the key in taking our offense from elite to straight up scary next year. That's what I think he can do for us. But again, like all these other guys that I've been saying, I need to see it. I need to see it. I've heard it. I've heard it from plenty of sources each week during spring drills. But now I need to see it. So there you have it, guys. That is my list of the top 10 players I am most excited to see here in action on Saturday between the hedges. Of course, there's way more than just these 10, but I want to give you guys a good solid list here. So let's recap it real fast. Number 10, Outside linebacker, MJ Sherman. Number nine, second-year safety, David Daniel. Number eight, sophomore inside linebacker, Xavier Sori. Number seven, early enrollee defensive lineman, Michael Williams, super high on that guy. Number six, second-year cornerback, Kamari Lasser, with a lot of opportunity ahead of him. Number five, can Devin Willick be the answer at guard, at right guard for us? Number four, 
Inside linebacker, Pop Dumas Johnson. Number three, wide receiver, dominant Blaylock. What version of Dom are we going to see this year? Number two, the two-for-one special, the quarterback battle for the number two job between Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift. And of course, as we just reviewed, number one, the player I am most excited to see between the hedges on Saturday, tight end Arik Gilbert. So I know you guys have your list. I'm curious, guys. Hit us up on social media. Hit us up on Twitter, at glory underscore UGA. Let us know who you're most excited to see. I know that you guys probably have your own list and have some different players you want to see. Again, there's more players I want to see too, but let us know who you want to see Saturday at G-Day. But that's it for me, guys. That's all I got for you. I guess my, my parting words here, if you're in town for G-Day, we got a ton going on within the world of George Athletics. We got baseball against Texas A&M this weekend. Actually, it's one of those Thursday starts where we have games on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And the game Saturday is very strategically designed to allow you to attend the baseball game after G-Day. G-Day obviously starts at 1, and the baseball game starts at 4 o'clock. So definitely, if you're in town, you want to check that out. The dogs are rolling on the diamond right now. And the men's tennis team is wrapping up the regular season with our final homestand of the season, taking on Auburn and Alabama this weekend. We've got a match on Friday at 5 p.m. at the Dan McGill Tennis Complex. And if you guys don't know where that is, it's right behind the outfield fence of the baseball stadium. That's where it is. It's in that parking lot and right there by the Carlton Street parking deck. So we have matches on Friday at 5 p.m. and then Sunday at 1 p.m. So make an entire weekend of guys. Obviously, we know G-Day is the focal point, but there's a lot of great stuff going on around that in the world of Georgia athletics and a lot of great teams. Baseball team is doing great. Men's tennis team is doing awesome. So I strongly encourage you, if you're making a weekend out of it, have a great time taking a baseball game, taking a tennis match, and enjoy the heck out of this weekend. Curtis and I will be back on probably Monday this week, late Monday night maybe, to recap everything that went down at G-Day this weekend. So make sure to check back in for that. But thank you for listening, guys. We always appreciate that. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.